You are listening to a message from Redemption Community Church, a life-giving church in Westchester County, New York. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or follow our messages online at redemptioncommunitychurch.org. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. All right, today, let me begin by asking you this question. How many of you hate it when you experience unmet expectations? Unmet expectations of all different types. You know, for example, you go to uh, a new restaurant that you've never been to before, and you're really excited to go try it out, and you order your food, and you wait for it, and it comes, and they mess up your order. Don't you hate that? It's like so anticlimactic, right? Or you order something on Amazon, and when it comes, it looks nothing like what the seller described. Has that happened to you before? Yeah. Or how many of you shop for clothes online? You know, you're buying a shirt, and you're, and you're trying to make sure you get the fit right, and it says true to size. The fit is true to size. And you get it, and you try it on, and it doesn't fit you. You're like, it's true to somebody's size, but not mine. <laughs> unmet expectations. Hey, when this happens. I recently had a significant experience of unmet expectations. A few weeks ago... Uh, I went on a pastor's retreat to South Carolina, and I was really excited just to get away kind of after the busyness of the holiday season and, and just to spend some time in God's presence, kind of get away, get quiet, hear God's voice. I mean, there were some fun things we did. We went fishing, and we were shooting skeet and stuff like that. It was good. But I really, the number one reason I went is it was like the beginning of the year, I want to just get away. I want to spend some time just prayer walking, journaling, just kind of praying and kind of getting a word from God for the beginning of this new year. So the first night we were there, I didn't get caught up and staying up late. Sometimes it happens when you're making new friends and pastors are hanging out. I'm like, nope, I'm going to bed early. I went up to my room. I took a shower. I took a Benadryl to make sure I slept good. <laughs> I put one of those nasal strips on so I could breathe really good. Like I was ready. I got in bed, ready to wake up and spend the morning with Jesus. And I dozed off and went to sleep. Well, about one o'clock in the morning, my sleep got interrupted when my roommates came to the room and they were just talking and laughing and being loud and I rolled over and I'm like, oh man, these guys are keeping me up. And I didn't say anything because I wanted to make friends with them. And I knew they probably didn't wake me up on purpose. And I knew I was doped up on enough Benadryl to fall back asleep. (laughs) So finally they stopped talking. And just when I was hoping for silence, I found out that the worst thing was not the talking because they began to snore. And I'm going to tell you, there is snoring and there is demon possession. Okay. (laughs) The noises that were coming out of these two men It was scary. Like, literally, I thought one of them was gasping for breath. Like, I thought he was going to die in the middle of the night. At one point in time, I almost put his pillow on his face just to put him out of his misery. I'm like, I'm just going to finish him off. It was bad. And look, it was like they teamed up. Like, one would go down and the other would go up. It was like, I'm like, did you guys rehearse this? Talk about unmet expectations. I'm ready for a good night's sleep. I'm going to wake up and spend time with Jesus. No, what I got was a night full of snoring. I literally put my AirPods in, my noise-canceling AirPods, and still couldn't, like, cut through the clutter. It was bad. It was bad. Talk about an unmet expectation. And the reality is when when reality doesn't meet our expectations, there's a gap. And how many of you know the gap is called disappointment? There's what you hope to get and what you got out of life. There's what you thought you were going to get and and reality. When reality doesn't meet our expectations, There's a gap, and we call that gap disappointment. And usually the size of the disappointment, (laughs) the size of the gap between what you hoped you were going to get and what you actually got usually corresponds to the size of your disappointment. Let me just tell you, I had a really big disappointment the first night of that retreat. You know, it's one thing to experience a bad night's sleep or to get an Amazon order that gets messed up. But what happens when reality 
doesn't meet our expectations when it comes to our relationships. That's different. That's a lot more serious. See, there's one thing that I believe we all have in common this morning, and that is we've all experienced disappointment in relationships. Is anybody with me? I think we've all been there before. In fact, I'll never forget when Amy and I were newlyweds, our first year of marriage, we went to our first marriage conference, and it was being taught by Dr. Gary Chapman, who's the author of the book, The Five Love Languages. Any of you ever read that book before? Really famous book, great book. And I'll never forget something that that Dr. Gary Chapman said. He said, when it comes to relationships, eventually everyone is going to experience disappointment in the context of relationships or a marriage. He said, it's just what you do with that disappointment that matters. Man, that stuck with me. I've never forgotten that all of these years because nobody had ever even given me permission to deal with the truth that we all experience disappointment in in relationships. And I want you to think about one relationship right now. Come on, just have an honest moment with yourself, with the Holy Spirit in church right now. I want you to think about one relationship in your life right now where there's a sense of disappointment. Think about that one relationship in your life right now where there's a sense of disappointment. Maybe there's a friend that you used to rely on Uh, but now your connection seems really distant. Maybe it's a a sibling. Maybe it's a relationship with a sibling where where it's riddled with conflict instead of connection. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe your marriage looks nothing like what you dreamed and hoped it would look like. Right now, think about a relationship where there's disappointment. I think all of us long for close, meaningful, healthy relationships, but so often our reality doesn't match our expectation and we feel the sting and the hurt of disappointment in our relationships. So what do we do? It's one thing if you get disappointed with an Amazon order and you can just return it. What happens? What do we do when we, when we experience the, the sting and the pain of unmet expectations in a relationship? Well, I'm glad you asked because today we're kicking off a new series called Emotionally Healthy Relationships. And it's inspired by a course written by um, Dr. Uh, Pete, Pastors Pete and, and Jerry Scazzaro. Uh, they've actually written a whole line of books about emotionally healthy spirituality, really great books. And the goal of this series is to give you some, some biblical relational skills to help you have healthier relationships and to love the people in your life better. And so our key verse for this series is one of the most famous scriptures in all of the Bible. It's known as the Great Commandment. Let me give you a little context here. Uh, At one time in the Gospels, Jesus was approached by a scribe, a student of the law, the Old Testament law, who asked Jesus this question. He said, Jesus, what's the most important commandment in all of scripture? Now, I don't know about you, but I'm so thankful that that scribe asked that question because we get to hear Jesus's answer. Like it's, it's an open book test. Now we have the answer to this question. Here's how Jesus responded in Mark chapter 12, verse 30 and 31. Jesus said this, love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind and with all of your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. So Jesus quotes from the Old Testament books of Deuteronomy and Leviticus, and he combines them, and he basically says to fulfill the scriptures, the the essence of the commandments is to love God holistically with everything you have, with your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength, and to love the people around you as yourself. See, the mark of a growing Christ follower is not just deepening love for God, but it's deepening love for people. And let me just give you a gauge for measuring your spiritual maturity. Anybody would like to have a measuring stick sometime, a gauge to measure your spiritual growth? I see that hand. I'm praying for the rest of you. We want to know that we're growing spiritually, right? We want to, you, you want to, I'm going to give you the, a simple yet powerful gauge, a measuring stick to measure your spiritual growth. Here it is. Pay attention to how you love people. 
It's simple, but it's difficult. <laughs> Pay attention to how you love people. Your love for people is a reflection of your love for God. The two are intrinsically linked together. Love of God and love of people. And often our greatest roadblock to spiritual maturity is our relational immaturity. In fact, uh, Pastor Peter Scazzaro put it this way. He said, it's impossible to be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. Wow. It's impossible to be spiritually Mature while remaining emotionally immature because loving people is the mark of spiritual maturity. And you can't love people well if you're spiritually immature. And so you have to grow emotionally if you want to grow spiritually. You got to get healthy emotionally if you want to be healthy spiritually because it all boils down to loving God with everything you have and loving people. And so we're on this journey together, church, over the next few weeks to grow in this area of emotional health. And so today I'm going to give you, we're going to discuss our very first relational skill. Are you ready? You should write it down. Here it is. It's clarify expectations. Clarify expectations. We want to talk about this idea of clarifying expectations because we want to cut down on the disappointment gap, the gap between what we hope we were going to get and, and what we got. We, we want to cut down on that so that we can, we can have better relationships because uh, one of the major issues that we face that causes us to have problems in, in our relationships is often the lack of clarity that we have when it comes to our expectations for our relationships, for our marriages, for dating relationships, for friendships, with, with family, with, with church family. This is one of the, the, the significant areas that, that we face. We lack clarity in our expectations with other people, and it sets us up for disappointment. And some of you keep running into disappointment over and over and over and over again. And it's time to get real. It's time to get honest with ourselves and get open and allow God to do some work in our lives. And so we're going to go on this journey together today. Are you with me? All right. I want to start by giving you four examples of unhealthy expectations. And I want to invite you to take some notes today. I believe some of these, if not all of them, will resonate with you because these are all things that we do as human beings. Okay. So before we, we identify what's healthy, let's talk about what's unhealthy. Four examples of unhealthy healthy expectations. The first example would be, number one, unconscious expectations. Unconscious expectations. So meaning, these unconscious expectations, mean, it means this. You didn't even know you had it, had an unconscious expectation, until that expectation goes unfulfilled, unmet, and then disappointment sits in, and you, and you begin to experience the sting of disappointment. So for example, maybe you expect your roommate to clean up the dishes right after dinner because that's how things were done when you were growing up in your house. It's an unconscious expectation that you brought into that relationship with your roommate. Maybe parents, you expected your kids to get straight A's because you got straight A's when you were a kid. Unconsciously, there was an expectation there. And of course, this applies to marriage for sure. Come on, married people. We bring some unconscious expectations into our marriages. Are you ready for a group counseling session together? All right. Maybe ladies, maybe you wives, you expected your husband to be handy because your dad was Mr. Fix-It. <laughs> maybe you husbands, some of you husbands, you expected your wife to be a good cook just like your mom. And when you first got married, you were naive and foolish enough to let her know that, that she didn't cook that recipe just like your mom made that recipe. And you quickly found out that if you kept saying things like that, you were going to be living with your mom because your wife let you know, if you don't like the way I cook it, you can go live with your mama. In fact, she thought about putting some poison in that recipe. <laughs> Unconscious expectations. There are assumptions that we make because we just think 
That's the way the world works. Some of y'all are laughing. It's a painful laugh, but you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> talking about unhealthy expectations. Number two, we have unreasonable expectations. Unreasonable expectations. Sometimes our expectations of people are just unrealistic. How many of you know that we have illusions about people? Like we have illusions about people and what they can do and what they can bring to a relationship. It's like the single woman who is waiting for the perfect guy to come into her life. Prince Charming to come riding into her life on a stallion. And he is going to resolve all of the unresolved problems of your life. I know that's none of you ladies in here. But let me just help you today and tell you, okay? That perfect guy is not going to solve every unresolved issue in your life. No, quite the opposite. He is going to hold a mirror up to all of the unresolved things in your life. He's going to amplify all the unresolved issues in your life. Because that's how relationships work. Because he's imperfect just like you. That's how relationships work. Unreasonable expectations. I heard a pastor once say, we expect more from others than they can possibly give to us. Oh, that stuck with me years ago. We expect more from others than they can possibly, they can possibly give to us. I know people do it to me as a pastor. Unreasonable expectations. I'll have people email me to get together and they'll give a time and date. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm not available that day. And there's kind of this sense, oh, oh really? Because I thought you only worked on Sundays. Like, what is it that you do all during the week? Right? <laughs> For those of you who didn't know, I got into this because pastors only work on Sundays. <laughs> okay. Right? Un- unrealistic expectations. And unless I start pointing fingers at other people, the Holy Spirit quite often convicts me of the unrealistic expectations I have for my wife. Right? Like I want her to be my lover, my friend, my child care, you know, the person who runs errands for me. I want you to drop everything you're doing and go spend a day in the city with me so we can have fun together. Like Sometimes Amy just looks at me and she's like, your, your, your expectations of me, they're just unrealistic. We do this to people. We have illusions about people. We expect more from others than they can possibly give to us. Here's the third thing, talking about unhealthy expectations. We have unspoken expectations. Unspoken expectations. See, it's been said that one of the main, one of the main problems with communication is the illusion that it actually happened. <laughs> Sometimes our, our expectations are so real to us that we forget to verbally process them and communicate them to other people. They're unspoken expectations. And the journalist and author Neil Strauss said this, unspoken expectations are premeditated resentments. Think about that. When we have expectations that we don't communicate to people, it sets us up for resentment. That's what happens. It's a premeditated resentment. In fact, uh, I had an experience with this a few, a few months ago. Amy and I, we went to last fall, last September, we went to the Bahamas to celebrate our 20th anniversary. 20 years of marriage. Can you believe that? We're way too young to be this old. So we went to go celebrate 20 years of Amy not killing me, praise the Lord. And uh, we had a great time in the Bahamas. We had honeymoon there, so it was awesome to be back after 20 years. And we stayed in this really nice resort. And in the Bahamas, they don't have Uber, so you take taxis to get around. And the taxis don't have meters like we have here in New York City. So they just kind of tell you the price, and you can decide whether or not you want to pay it. I guess if you don't pay it, you're walking. So but that's how taxis work in the Bahamas. So we had a great week on this trip. At the end of the week, we were checking out, and I went to the, the, the doorman with our luggage, and he said, do you want me to call you a taxi? And I'm like, sure, that would be great. And he asked me for my room number. I kind of thought that was odd, but I gave him my room, num- room number. Then we went to the desk and, and dropped our luggage, uh, let the people know that we were checked out in our room. And when we came back, he was loading my luggage into this really fancy blacked-out Tesla. I think it was a Tesla X it had the nice rims, leather on the inside. It had the Falcon doors that open up like a Lamborghini, right? And I'm like, man, this isn't a regular taxi. This is a car service. 
And I already knew from checking online that, that the resort had this really expensive car service you could use that was like four times the price of a regular taxi. And I'm like, I don't need this kind of fancy car just to drive me 15 you know, minutes to the airport. But the dude's already loading my luggage into the car, so I don't want to say anything. So what did I do? I got in the car, and I started pouting to Amy the whole way there. Like, I'm a typical guy. I want to be in control. I don't want to look like I'm getting taken advantage of. And so I'm complaining to Amy the whole way to the airport. I'm like, that's why he asked for our room number. He's going to charge it to the room. And I'm like, you know how it is at these resorts. These suckers, they'll try to squeeze every penny out of you, like right down to the last minute, right? So I'm complaining about the whole thing. So we get to the airport, and, uh, you know, the taxi driver, he gets out, he unloads our luggage. And I wasn't going to be stingy. I was still going to give him a tip. And I think I literally had like a $10 bill in my wallet, which I reluctantly gave to him. And he kind of looked at me funny when I gave him the 10 bucks, And I was like, whatever. I took my luggage and I walked off. Okay, so later on, I get the email from the hotel with our final bill, right? And I like scour, scour it to look over and find the charge for the car service. Well, there was no charge. And so then I kept checking my credit card for a couple days. I'm like, I know these people are going to rip me off. They're going to charge me for this car service. Well, guess what? It never came. In a strange twist of events, instead of them taking advantage of me, I took advantage of them and paid them $10 for an expensive car service. <laughs> now, here's the whole point. All the driver had to do was communicate to me his expectation of what the car service cost. All the doorman had to do was actually communicate to me about what kind of car did I want. But nobody did that. Here's the point, church. You can't complain about unfilled expectations that you've never expressed to someone. It's unhealthy. It sets us up for disappointment. Here's the fourth one. Is this helping anybody today? Anybody resonating with this today? Here's the fourth thing. Unhealthy expectations are unagreed upon expectations. Unagreed upon expectations. You know, sometimes our expectations are just unagreed upon. We assume them, but there's just one problem. We never actually gave the other person to uh, the opportunity to agree to our expectations. So, for example, you invite someone to come to your party and you're disappointed because they can't come. Well, guess what? You never gave them a chance to agree to come. Like you just assume that they could be there. What if they had something else going on? Sometimes we get our feelings hurt. It's an unagreed upon expectation. So Pastor Dave and I, we do premarital counseling sessions with our, our couples here in Redemption who are engaged to get married. And this is really, this is this curriculum we use, it's called uh, SIMBUS. It's an acronym for Save Your Marriage Before It Starts. And so we have a great book and some workbooks. And this is one really fun exercise that we do with, with couples. And the couple has to sit down and go through a checklist. They have to work through a checklist of chores and life tasks, like yard work, car maintenance, laundry, grocery shopping. And they have to decide what, who's going to be responsible for doing it. So for me, as a married man of 20 years, what I do is I set up this whole exercise. And I'm like, y'all go ahead and discuss it. And I sit back and just wait to be entertained. Because <laughs> it's really fun. Because you quickly discover there are plenty of unagreed upon expectations. Come on, how many of you married people wish somebody had sat you down and done an exercise like that with you before you got married? Some of you might not have ever got married if you had done that exercise before. <laughs> Don't put your hand up. That's not good. <laughs> and here's what happens with, with unhealthy expectations. Eventually, what ends up happening is our unhealthy expectations will go unmet. They, they will go unmet. And if you don't take a step back and examine your expectations, what will likely happen is we'll start making judgments and assumptions about the other person because naturally we do not look at ourselves. Naturally we point fingers at the other person. And it's been said in the absence of clarity, we fill in the blanks. 
And that's what we start doing. When there's an absence of clarity in a relationship, we start filling in the blanks about the other person. We start having thoughts about the other, ter- the other person, judgments about the other person, and then pain and confusion and the disappointment gap begins to grow and resentment builds and hurt begins to build and it negatively affects our relationships with people, with our friendships, with our marriage, with our coworkers, even with our, our church family. And I want you to lean in for a minute here because some of you, you've been in this cycle for a long time. This keeps happening to you in relationships. You get hurt and you move on to the next thing. And the problem is you've never slowed down to work with yourself because there is one person who is the common denominator of every relationship that you are in. And do you know who that person is? That person is you. And our natural human default position is to point fingers at everybody else. But we got to slow down and do the inner work that God wants to do in our hearts so that we can break out of this cycle of bouncing from relationship to relationship, from church to church, because that happens, I've seen that for years, getting hurt and just moving on instead of letting the Holy Spirit do the work of what's going on with us. And so let me ask you this. Have you been there before? I think we've all been there before. In fact, some of you are there right now. Some of you identify completely with this recycle, that, that, this cycle that keeps repeating itself. And so what do we do? Like, how do we move forward into emotionally healthy relationships? Well, I want to just give you, in the last part of this message, a few practical ideas for us to kind of move forward into healthy expectations that will lead us to have more emotionally healthy relationships, okay? Let me give you a few ideas. First, I'm going to give you a couple of things, ideas of things we need to stop doing and a couple of things that we need to start doing. Okay, here's the first thing we need to stop doing. We need to stop Mind reading. Everybody say mind reading. We gotta stop mind reading. In fact, listen to the wisdom of Proverbs chapter 18 verse 2. It says, fools find no pleasure in understanding, but delight in airing their own opinions. Proverbs tells us it's foolish just to stay lost in your own opinions. Lost in your own thoughts. Just mind reading all the time. So often we think that we know the thoughts and the motives of the other person, like what's going on in their mind, and we begin to make assumptions about them. Let me ask you this question. Have you ever made an assumption about someone that turned out to be wrong? I know I've done that before. You filled in the blanks about that person. You've made an assumption, and it turned out they weren't as bad as you thought they were. In fact, I've been on the receiving end of that. I was on the receiving end of some bad assumptions just a few weeks ago. So I'm coaching my son, Michael, his fifth-grade CYO basketball team. And in fact, we're coming off a big win yesterday. I'm basking in the glow of fifth-grade basketball victory this morning. Thank you very much, somebody. All right? Feeling it, a little pep in my step today. So a couple of weeks ago, we, we beat this team pretty good, like 15, 20 points. And the director of their program emailed the director of our program, my head coach, and accused me of being a bad sport and running the score up. They're like, that coach of the fifth grade team, he ran the score up on our team. He played his starters the whole time. He played his starters all the way into the fourth quarter. We don't do things that way in our program. When our kids are winning a lot in the fourth quarter, we tell them they have to pass the ball three times before they can even take a shot. Whatever. Okay? She accused your pastor of being a bad sport. Okay? I want you to be offended for me. Here's what she didn't know. We did, okay? And by the way, one of our church members here, Javid, who serves on our creative team, is my assistant coach. He can verify this, okay? We rotated our players at the halfway point of every quarter. That means all of my bench players got the same amount of time as my starting players. When we got to the fourth quarter, I did not have my whole starting lineup in. And guess what speech I gave my players at the beginning of the fourth quarter? Before you take a shot, I want you to pass the ball three times. (laughs) Hello, talk about wrong assumptions. I want to say, hey lady, just because your team stinks doesn't mean you should accuse me of being a bad sport. Hello? (laughs) I was on the receiving end of some bad assumptions. And this is what we do to people. 
We've got to stop mind reading about people. Stop mind reading. Number two, we've got to stop making judgments. Stop making judgments. Here's what Jesus said. We all know this. Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 2. He said, do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. We've got to stop making judgments. Now, now what does this mean? When Jesus said, don't judge, it, it, he didn't mean don't make, don't use moral discernment. You better use moral discernment. You better call sin, sin. You better call what's wrong, wrong, and what's right, right. Okay, people get this mixed up. That's not what Jesus was talking about. Judge in this context means to judge someone, so, uh, someone else in the spirit of self-righteousness. You know how that works? This is how it works when you judge someone in the spirit of self-righteousness. What it means is you minimize your sinfulness, you minimize your personality quirks and your flaws, and you maximize the other person's sinfulness so that you appoint yourself as a moral judge over them in your thoughts, in the way you see them, in the context of a relationship. You maximize their flaws and you minimize yours. That's what it means to judge. And Jesus said in verse 2, for in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. In other words, if you're stingy with grace, you're not going to get a whole lot of grace back. Like God shoveled out his grace on your life. Quit spooning it out to other people. With the measure you use is the measure you're going to get it back in your life. And here's the point, church. We so easily expect the worst in others, don't we? Come on, am I talking to a room full of New York people in the house? We are infamously known for this. expecting the worst in other human beings. Our, this, our city's famous for this. We so easily expect the worst in others. We often assume the worst in others, but we expect people to believe the best about us. We want people to give us the benefit of the doubt. And in fact, psychologists have a term for this. It's called the fundamental attribution error. The fundamental attribution error states that when we judge behavior in others that we deem as bad behavior, inappropriate behavior, behavior we don't like, we attribute it to their character. Whereas when we exhibit the same behavior, we tend to attribute it to environmental factors and give ourselves a break. So, for example, if I'm in the grocery store and your child's having a meltdown and driving everybody crazy, it's because you're a bad parent. But if I'm in the grocery store and my kid's having a meltdown, it's because we're having a bad day and I'm doing my best over here. Hello? If we're in traffic and you cut me off, it's because you're a terrible person. You're going to kill somebody driving like that. But if I cut somebody off, oh, I'm on the way to a really important meeting and I just didn't see you. We expect the worst and others. But we want other people to, get, to expect the best about us, to give us the benefit of the doubt. And I just decided years ago that I am going to believe the best about other people. And when I find out otherwise, I'm going to give them grace. And some of you might call me naive, but I would just call you jaded. Because the reality is it's so easy in the culture that we're living in to just be jaded and bitter and always have wrong assumptions about other people. Let me just tell you something today. Whether it's your first time in this church or whether you've been in this church for years, I'm going to make you the same offer. Once again, brand new or whether you've been here forever, I'm going to make everybody the same offer. As a, as a, follow, a follower of Jesus, as a fellow follower of Jesus, I am going to believe the best about you as my brother or sister in the Lord. And when I find out otherwise, I'm going to give you grace. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to, I choose right off the bat, whether I know you or not, I choose to believe the best about you. And when I get to know you, inevitably, I'm going to probably find out otherwise that you actually have some personality flaw. And then I'm going to give you grace. You know what I ask you to do is the same thing for me. Because after you get to know me, you might catch me on a bad day. 
You might discover that your pastor, you know, and don't put me on too high of a pedestal, because just when you do that, you might discover as you get to know me that I actually happen to have some personality flaws as well. And I'm going to remind you, I preached grace to you for years. I need you to give some back to me. We've got to get this into our thinking. Man, the Apostle Paul said, in humility, esteem others as better than yourself. If you can't do it anywhere else, why don't you begin to put that into practice in the context of our church family? And so those are some things we need to stop doing. Let me give you some things we need to start doing. Number one, we need to start having some conversations. Come on, if we're going to have emotionally healthy relationships, if we're going to have some healthy expectations, number one, we've got to start having conversations. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 15 says this, The heart of the discerning acquires knowledge, but the ears of the wise seek it out. The heart of the discerning acquires knowledge for the ears of the wise seek it out. In other words, we are wise to seek out knowledge. We are wise to have conversations with people where we seek out their perspective, their side of the story. And I often find myself as a pastor in situations where I'm helping people reconcile. It might be a husband and wife. It may be two people in a life group or who are serving on a team together. I'm in a situation where I'm helping people work through offense and hurt. And often what I'll tell people is as we begin, as I'm starting the meeting, I'll say this. Now here's what the Holy Spirit wants to do. He wants to reveal truth in this conversation. Because up until now, you've both had assumptions about each other. You've both been having conversations in your head and filling in the blanks about each other. But as we talk, we're going to allow the Holy Spirit to fill in the blanks. And he's going to, he's going to show us what the real truth is. See, it's amazing how we can talk to everybody else about the situation. We can even talk to ourselves. We can have conversations in our minds about people. We talk to everybody except the person we need to talk to to resolve the situation. Simply put, we need to stop having conversations in our heads and start having conversations with people. That's how healing happens. That's how understanding happens. Okay? So we gotta start having conversations. Number two, we gotta start clarifying expectations. We gotta start clarifying expectations. So let's talk about healthy expectations, and we're gonna make a shift from all the unhealthy ones to all the healthy ones. So we're gonna shift from the unconscious to conscious expectations. Write these down. We're going to shift from unconscious expectations to conscious expectations. You know what this does? This requires me to pause and actually do some self-assessment, to have some self-awareness about my own thoughts and desires and identify the unconscious expectations that I'm bringing into the relationship. Maybe you need to take some time to do that. Maybe you might even need to write those down to hold yourself accountable. We're going to shift from the unconscious to the conscious. We're going to shift from unreasonable to realistic expectations for other people. And so here are some good questions to ask yourself. Are my expectations realistic? Like, is this something that the other person is actually able or willing to do? Here's a really good question to ask yourself. Would I want someone to expect this of me? <laughs> I often ask myself that that, that question in the context of marriage, right? What I want Amy to expect this of me, it's very clarifying. We're going to shift un, unreasonable from the realm of rainbows and unicorns to the, to the realm of, reali of re reality, okay? Realistic expectations for, for other human beings. We're going to shift from unspoken expectations to spoken expectations. We actually have to do the work of verbalizing our expectations for the other person. We're not going to expect them to magically know, oh, you know what I expect from you. Oh, you know. No, no, no. They might not know. Like, maybe you need to use your words to actually communicate. I need this from you. Can you deliver that? Okay? Because let's be honest for a moment. There are some realistic expectations that, that you are entitled to. Okay? For example, I can't, I don't have time to give a bunch of examples. In the context of marriage, there are some things you should expect from, from your spouse. Okay? But we have to make sure they're healthy and reasonable and spoken and communicated. And that brings us to the last point. We're going to shift from unagreed upon to agreed upon expectations. 
Just because you had that expectation doesn't mean the other person actually agreed to it. And so you may have to put some work into a relationship to get to agreed upon expectations. There may be some areas where you agree to disagree, but there may be some areas of overlap where like, yep, I can do that. That's reasonable. Okay, that's fair. And, and it becomes intentional, it becomes purposeful, and now they're agreed upon expectations, and it sets you up for a lot less disappointment and a lot less hurt. Okay? So as we close this morning, I want to come back to what I asked you earlier in the message. I want you to think about one relationship. Maybe you just want to close your, your eyes for a moment and think about this. Think about one relationship in your life where you're experiencing disappointment. You have it. Maybe you're seeing somebody's face right now. Maybe it's real. Maybe you feel the hurt, the disappointment right now. Maybe it's in your marriage. Maybe it's in a romantic relationship. Maybe it's in a relationship professionally or with your kids or parents or a friend. And here's what I want you to do. Rather than getting defensive or blaming the other person, which is what we normally do, I want to encourage you to take an honest look at yourself today and ask yourself, are my expectations healthy or are they unhealthy? And maybe as you think about that, it's a little bit of both. But let's ask the Holy Spirit to begin to reveal some things. Have my expectations been healthy? And maybe you need to spend some time praying about that. Maybe you're not sure. Maybe you need to spend some time this week praying about that, journaling about that if you're a journaler. Maybe you need to to have a conversation with someone, with, with that person if it's appropriate. Whatever it is, I want to encourage everyone in this room to take some step toward emotional health in your relationships this week. Now, here's the question. How are we going to do it? How are we going to do it? Let me just leave you with one, one final verse that inspires me. First John chapter 4, verses 9 through 11. Here's what he writes. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Look at verse 11. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. Pastor Jimmy, how are we going to do it in the midst of difficulty, in the differences with our personalities, when there's so much hurt, when there's been so much tension there, when I've tried and failed, when we haven't been able to have healthy dialogue? How are we going to get a breakthrough here? We're not going to do it in our own strength, church. We're not going to do it through practicing positive psychology. No, no, no. It's that we might live through him. Even as John said, we live through him. We're going to get a greater revelation of just how well we've been loved in Jesus Christ because God so loved us. We ought also to love one another as we open our hearts to God pouring his grace in his love, in his mercy afresh into our hearts. We're going to be able to love others out of that. Come on, we're going to give to others what God so freely gave to us in his son Jesus Christ. How many of you want that this morning? Come on, would you stand with me? Would you stand with me all over this place? We're going to pray into this. We're going to ask God to help us. If you're new, we always have a moment of reflection at the end of the message. Let's get personal this morning. Let's open our hearts. Let's ask God to do this work in us today. We can't do it by ourselves, but God, we're calling on you today. God, we thank you for your love. God, we thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you for how how well we've been loved. We've been, you, you so loved us that you you gave your one and only son for us today. And Lord, today, we're asking you to, to give us the courage to open up our hearts, to be honest with ourselves about, about our relationships, about the unmet expectations that, that we have. God, for some of us, it's, it's scary to even go there. But today, we're asking you to give us the courage to do the inner work. And now, Father, I'm asking for healing in hearts today. Healing in hearts today where there's been disappointment, where there's been hurt, where there's been pain. And God, we're asking you to forgive us for our unhealthy expectations. Some of you may even want to pray that today. God, we've had 
we've expected more from others than they could possibly give to us. And we recognize that that person is just human like us. And so, Lord, today we extend grace. We extend grace. We extend grace. And we're asking for your forgiveness in our hearts today. And, God, we're asking for a greater revelation of your love. Greater revelation of your love that you would just pour it out into our hearts that we would be convinced like never before of just how well we've been loved by you through your son, Jesus Christ, and that that love would overflow from our hearts into the lives of other people, into the relationships around us, and it would bring healing. God, we ask you to do all of these things. In Jesus' name, if you believe it, would you say amen? Amen. Amen. He's going to do it. He's going to do it. He's going to do it. Amen. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. If you'd like to connect with us or learn more about our church, please visit us online at redemptioncommunitychurch.org. We hope you can listen or join us next week.